Got a fresh revelation here this morning for the rest of us. I love, I love a new fresh word, and I'm still kind of diving into this myself, you know, kind of, kind of learning, and, and um, so we'll learn together. Love that. The past few weeks, God has had us helping us to understand better this, this in-between season between God's promise and God's fulfillment. Anybody between that season? God promised it, but I don't have it yet. Yeah, pretty much all of us here this morning. There's got to be some area of your life when you're like, when, Lord? I keep crying out. I keep pressing in. I'm being faithful to you, Lord, and yet it seems like still things just aren't breaking. It still just isn't happening. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about that again today. The good news is that God is promised, has promised over and over and over again, Old Covenant, New Covenant, and is the same God yesterday and forever, that he will be with us in that in-between season. God will never leave us, never forsake us. He will be right there with us through that in-between season. And the awesome thing about God is that God is eternal. And so from God's perspective, when he made that promise to you, when he wrote it in this book thousands of years ago, to him, he already saw it in your life come to pass. Because he was before you, he is with you now, and he has gone ahead of you. He is eternal outside of time. So he who promised is faithful. Because from his perspective, when he promised it, he already saw it finished. He knows exactly when it's coming. He knows exactly how it's going to come to pass. And he is so excited. He is like a kid on Christmas morning. He knows the good thing that awaits you. He's just asking you to keep pressing in. Just hang on there, kiddo. Hang in there. It's coming. It's on its way. It will be fulfilled. In fact, we remember from that Christmas story, what did uh, the angel tell Mary? For no word of God will ever fail. Every word of God will come to pass. We can have confidence because he knows it all before we ever even approach him, right? We can have confidence and boldness when we come before God. Because he already knows everything about us anyways. He knows our sin. He knows our shame. He knows our condemnation. He knows the good, bad, and the ugly. But he also knows our future. He knows who he created us to be. He knows the good things that await us. And that's what he's calling us into. So we can have confidence when we come before him. Come boldly before his throne of grace. So that he can wash it all away. Everything that's not from him. He can wash us of it. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. We're going to spend some time here and then in Matthew 26, if you want to get ahead of me. Hebrews 4, Matthew 26. That's where God has us this morning. And it's not coincidental that he had the guys in, in a word study here recently because that's exactly where God took me before we even had that study. It's really awesome. I, I just love it when it's the same spirit that's, you know, moving in and through everybody. I love that, that, that just, I don't know, anyways, togetherness. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 16 teaches us this, that the word of God is alive and active, right? Because we all know that the word of God is not just the, the text on this book, right? I have to keep a paper Bible here so I can hold it up and look preacher-like, you know? It's a cool one. It, it, it's a fire Bible, very assemblies of God, right? And it even has my, my name embossed in it. That was Becky's gift to me when I was ordained. Um, but anyways, the word of God is alive and active, 
Because the word of God is Jesus and he is alive and he is active. He is active. He is moving. In fact, it says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And oh, I forgot to bring the sword in today. Of course, it's not sharp because we don't want kids to get hurt, but it's really awesome. It's a King of David replica. Oh man, fun sword. But the word of God is also a double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. These are the Greek words psyche and pneuma. Divide soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges. I thought, thought we weren't supposed to judge and Christians aren't into judgment. Read the rest of Matthew 7 and Jesus explains all about the judgment we we're supposed to have. But the word of God judges our thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Psyche, pneuma. It separates these things. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. Everything is laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God already knows it all. You're never going to surprise him by anything. What he's waiting for is for you to come to him with it. Any of you parents ever know that your kids are lying to you? You busted them, you caught them, and all you want them to do is come clean we already know the truth. Just tell us what happened. Anybody ever deal with that? Yeah, exactly. If you're a parent, you've dealt with it. That's how the Father sees us. He already knows. And he's calling you to come to him anyways. There's a welcome invitation into his presence. The only reason your sin separates you from God is because you're running the other direction. He's inviting you to come running in. Therefore, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a great high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. I tell my son this all the time. Dude, there's nothing you can come and talk to me about that I don't deal with myself. <laughs> you know, all these things you deal with, it doesn't go away just because you get married or get a job or whatever, you know. All those things that the enemy tells you, oh, as soon as this happens, you'll be good. No, it doesn't go away. You deal with these same weaknesses of the flesh all through your life. And you've got to learn the same way that God told, um, what's his face with the, the uh, Abel? No, Cain. Cain, the same way that God told Cain right in the beginning, sin desires to have you. But you've got to rise above it. You've got to overcome it, right? That is the coolest thing about Jesus. He can fully relate he empathizes with us. There's nothing you can bring to Jesus that he didn't deal with himself. The coolest thing about Jesus is that he never sinned. He struggled, but he never gave in to the struggle. He was victorious over every struggle that you're facing. So who better to go to? Jesus, how'd you do that? How did you deal with this and get out of it and win the victory over it, right? So go to him. And it goes on in, um, in verse 16. So since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who is interceding between the father and the enemy, who's, you know, accusing us day and night. In verse 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need. When you're in your weakness and you're in a time of need, you need the grace of God. You need the mercy of God. There's only one place you can get it. That's the throne of grace. Straight into the presence of God. Straight into the throne room. And you can go there boldly and confidently, no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter how much you're struggling, no matter how many times you said, Jesus, never again, and then an hour later, you're right there again. doesn't matter. Go boldly before the throne of grace, confidently, because he wants to forgive all of your sin, wash away all your shame and condemnation, and he wants to empower you by his grace to overcome it the next time, right? Where else can we go, right, in our, our, our time of need, but then to the throne of grace, in his presence to receive everything we need. Jesus can well relate to us. Although he, he fully knew how everything would end. Think about this. The God of all the universe wrapped himself in flesh, became just like us. He knew how that cross was going to end. Even though he knew all those things, he still struggled. That's where we go to Matthew chapter 26 here. If you want to get ahead of me, Matthew chapter 26. Although Jesus struggled with the weaknesses of living in this body, dealing with the weaknesses of our soul, our emotions. I, I, sent, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I sent Becky a little meme the other day, and it's like, you know, a day in a guy's life, and it's like just a, a smug emoticon all day long and then a sleepy guy at the end, you know? And then it was a life in, the, in a woman, and it was every emoticon across the board, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I didn't defend anybody. You know, you guys can relate then. <laughs> you know, our emotions, oh my goodness, our soul. We're going to talk about these things. It is a struggle, but Jesus dealt with it as well. He struggled with those things. Yet he overcame the weaknesses before facing the public shame and condemnation that people would falsely heap on him, accuse him, spit in his face, punch him. Put that, that crown of thorns on and mock him. Strip him naked. That would be pretty embarrassing, you know, to be stripped naked and thrown up there on the cross for everyone to see. And your own mom standing there. Just embarrassing, you know. But he was, he was, he was completely humbled, humiliated in every way. It's more than humbled. He was humiliated in every way. He can relate. And that was all before facing the flogging, the crucifixion, being abandoned by his closest friends, being traded in by one of his closest friends, essentially a murderer for, you know, some money. I mean, he's been betrayed by his closest, it just, you name it, he's been through it. He has gone through it all. Jesus faced what we're going to call this morning the battle within. Before Jesus faced all those external pressures of being flogged and crucified and persecuted and made fun of, before any of that happened, Jesus faced the most intense battle, and that was the battle within his own self. And I'm sure a lot of us this morning are facing this same battle. That's why he's taking us here. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. said, then Jesus went with his disciples. Nope, nope. Then Jesus told them, speaking of his disciples, this very night, you're all going to fall away on account of me. Because that's what the Bible says. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But, and what's true about buts? Buts are big in the Bible, right? But, but after I have risen, 
I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter, big mouth Peter, the, the one upper in every story. Everybody knows a guy like this, right? I will never, never fall away. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. See, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen, yet he still struggled. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Yeah, that's right. Even if we have to die, Jesus, we're with you. What happened when the guys with swords came? They gone. <laughs> they gone, right? <laughs> Verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. The longer you look at that word, the harder it is to say. Gethsemane. That's what I'm just going to, yeah, we'll just breeze over. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. What do we do when we're in that in-between season? Remember last week? It's that same word for pray. This is a, mm, your life depends on it. It is a mix of worship, a mix of declaring. It is, it's an intense prayer. Just said, stay here while I go over and pray. He took Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul, this is the word psyche, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So you see, Jesus struggled in his soul. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus was struggling with his soul, with his psyche. He didn't want to take on the cross in his psyche, in his soul. Who would? He knew what was coming. Nobody in their right mind would, would go through, want to go through all that. So he's like, God, if there's any other way, please take that other way. But not my will, but yours be done. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you guys keep watch with me for even one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit, Greek word pneuma, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, Greek word sarx, is weak. The pneuma is willing, the spirit is willing, but the sarx is weak. That was their struggle. Jesus' struggle is my um, my psyche, my soul is not willing to do this, but yet the Father's will be done. The internal struggle. He went away a second time. He prayed, my Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. In fact, in the King James Version, it says that he was, he was praying and he's crying out so much that his, his blood became like, or his blood, his, his sweat became like drops of blood. Is that kind of intense prayer? He was that overwhelmed to the point of death in his psyche and his soul. Then when he came back, he found again the disciples sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them. He didn't even wake them up this time. He's like, whatever. You know? Anybody feel like that in their family? Like, seriously? We never go through their family, do we, Nate? Never, never ask you to do something and go back and you fell asleep. 
Did anybody struggle with waking up in the mornings? I'm up, I'm up. Five minutes later, I go back, dude, you ain't up. Do I need to come in there and cuddle with you? That, that gets him out of bed every single time, right? <laughs> I found what works. <laughs> Never had to do that. I mean, he's boom, right up out of bed. <laughs> That's how Jesus felt. He felt that way. He's like, guys, I just one hour, just one more hour. I need you to stay up and pray. Pray with me. I need your prayers. Jesus needed the prayers of his disciple. Sometimes we need our prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he goes on. So he left them. He went away once more and he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping? Find time to rest. Look, the hour has come. Your hour is up. The son of man has now been delivered in the hands of sinners. So rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus' soul was overwhelmed. Jesus' body was weak, but his spirit was strong. That is the battle of Gethsemane. The battle of Gethsemane. You can go to Gettysburg and they ain't got nothing on the battle of Gethsemane, right? But that battle before Jesus ever faced another person, another accuser, another deceiver... The very first battle that he faced was the battle within. He struggled within himself. In fact, from what we see, Jesus had a harder time struggling with himself. He was sweating to the point of dripping blood. He didn't struggle that badly with everything else that was happening. How many can relate with Jesus? The hardest person that I have to forgive is myself. I can forgive anyone else pretty easily. But man, when I know I intentionally went and screwed up in sin, when I promised to Jesus I'd never do it again, I have a hard time forgiving myself. Why didn't I learn? I know better. Why did I go and do this again? Jesus dealt with that same struggle. The struggle of the wills, the struggle of the psyche. Mental health is a huge issue in our culture and society today, right? And you try to get into any kind of a, a psychological doctor, and they're just overwhelmed, and it's just, oh my goodness. Psyche. The psyche, the soul. Jesus has the answers. Because we all face the same battle, the battle within. Our souls are weak. They easily change and shift. And so was Jesus's. His soul was weak. God in the flesh, he, he had the same psyche as we do. The struggle was real. He was overwhelmed. He didn't want to be crucified. Our flesh is weak, and it refuses to submit itself to God. In fact, we're going to read later that our flesh is actually hostile toward God. However, that same spirit that enabled Jesus to overcome every weakness is willing to do the same. He dwells in you and I who have just put our faith in Jesus for our salvation. He lives in you and I to equip and to help us to overcome every single weakness as well. And so we were born and we were created in the image of God. Born and created in the image of God. And so here's a little study, a little teaching. And this is kind of part of it's, I've heard it a thousand times. One of these things is brand new. And I'm still studying to make sure it's true. I don't want to ever teach anything that's not accurate. We're born in the image of God. We are three in one, body, soul, spirit, the same way as God is three in one. Father, son, spirit. Three in one, three in one. That's what makes us different from the rest of creation. Your animals, they have bodies. They have somas, right? They do. Your cute little pets, they have soul, or psyches, they have a soul, because they have their own personality. Man, do they have a will. They have a will. 
Our little old lady, man, she, yeah, she's got a will. She, she may be blind and probably going deaf, but man, when she wants something, she's going to yip and yip and yip until she gets it, you know? She, she's got a will. Um, we're going to talk about all these things. But we have a spirit, Numa, that is different from the rest of creation. And so Jesus was born with a body just like us. He was born with this Greek word soma, physical body. He had it. Remember, he, we learned last week, he told Thomas, feel the, hand, the, the holes in my hands and, and in my side. He had a soma. He had a body the same way we do. Okay? He was literally born in the flesh. Okay? Just ask Mary if, if you don't believe it. You know? He was born in the flesh. You know? that, 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 was, that had to be rough. Um, he was born in the body, the physical being. The soma, the physical being, is what we can perceive with our five senses. You, know, you can touch it. You can hear it. You can smell it. Some teenagers, you can smell more than others. Um, you know, you, 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 can, you can taste. I love, I love the fact that God gave us a sense of taste, you know. That's our soma, our body, our physical body. Jesus was born with a soul just like us, the word psyche, right? It's where we get over psychological uh, ideas and concepts from. Our soul, this Greek word psyche, that is our mind, that is our will, that is our emotions, that's our personality, that's, that's our intellect, that's what school's all about, growing your psyche to learn knowledge, um, and our emotions, you know, our, our, not only our IQ, but our EQ, our emotional um, awareness, um, and, and it's like our conscience as well. Our soul is the essence of who we are. Our soul is the essence of who we are, our psyche. Your psyche remains the same, Right? doesn't matter how much of your soma you cut off you know I, I hack a toe off and my psyche didn't change right they're different they're unique from one another and we scientifically have enough understanding to know this um, you know that uh, no matter what happens to your soma your psyche um, well I mean it's it's affected by trauma but anyways sorry I'm talking myself into circles here but you get the idea they're separate entities altogether. now here's the difference between us and Jesus we both had a soma both had a psyche Jesus was conceived and born of the Holy Spirit, right? Spirit being pneuma. Whether it's spirit all through the New Testament written in the Greek is the word pneuma. Whether it be Holy Spirit or any other spirit, it's, it's the word pneuma. Jesus was not only conceived, the virgin conceived and gave birth. What, how, how did the angel tell Mary she's going to conceive? By the Holy Spirit, word pneuma. You can look it up, you know, blueletterbible.org. That's why I use for all my messages. I don't use paper, you know, concordances and stuff anymore. Blue Letter Bible, it's an awesome resource. Um, but what I have not been able to find, and you can challenge me on this, and please, I'm still studying. This is what I'm teaching this morning. I haven't found any instance anywhere that indicates that Jesus was born of the flesh, sarks, the way that we were. I can't find any evidence that Jesus, Jesus was, was soma, psyche, pneuma, from the beginning. Jesus wasn't born into sin the way that we are. That's the word flesh sarks. I can't find any evidence of that. The closest thing I can find is in Hebrews chapter 4, where it talks about how, uh, 4 chapter 3, it talks about how Jesus was born in the likeness of sarks, flesh. He was born in the likeness of flesh, so he can fully relate to us. But he wasn't born, which it does make sense, because how else could he be sinless? He had to be born not of the original sin, right? Um, which means, man, toddler Jesus had to be a little different than toddler, um, you know, Nate and Megan and Bethany growing up. 
He had to be a little easier of a child, wouldn't you think, if he was born without the sarks? Because my kids, the first words they learned were, no, and me, mine, me, right? You know? <laughs> that's, that's the first words I probably learned as a kid too, right, Mom? You know? Yeah, probably so. Yep. <laughs> that's why, and this is cool. So this is just the beginning. So stay with me here. So our, our flesh sinful nature, the Greek word sarks. That is why we are called to crucify our sarks, crucify the flesh, and to be born again and filled with the spirit, pneuma. Sarks, the flesh, is not the same as our soma body. They're, they're, you can interchange those words in our English language, flesh and body. But when you look at the Greek language in the New Testament, they are not interchangeable. They are two entirely different things. Because if it was as easy as, um, and this is, where, this is where misinterpretation happens. Jesus said, if your, your eye causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Hack it off. Now, trust me, when I was dealing with pornography, I thought about gouging my eyes out. You know, I'm like, I just want done with this thing. I don't want to deal with it ever again. But I knew that wouldn't really deal with the issue, would it? If your hand causes you to sin, if you cut the soma off, you're going to find some other way to do it. Us humans are creative. Where there's a sinful will, there is a way. There are many ways, right? Cutting the soma won't deal with it. What was Jesus actually referring to? Cut the sarks, the flesh. Crucify the flesh. Get rid of that thing. That's our sinful nature. And it's not the same as soma body, even though we, we interchange them. Okay, so here's, here's where you see it come to play. Being born again, John chapter 3. All of us are familiar with this story, right? If not, you're going to be today. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. And if, you, if you've watched The Chosen, you've seen this encounter. I think it's pretty accurate. It's pretty cool, you know. And there, this rabbi is struggling. He's a teacher, an instructor. And he's struggling with Jesus. And so he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a good teacher. We know you come from God. No one can perform the signs that you're doing unless God was with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one, no one. So Jesus gets right to the point of why Nicodemus is there. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus laughed and said, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, truly, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And what word do you think that is? Sarks. Sarks gives birth to sarks. But spirit gives birth to spirit, which is the word? How do you know that? Yeah. Pneuma. Pneuma gives birth to pneuma. Sarks gives birth to sarks. You got to be born again, because we were all born this way. But what we weren't when we were born was born this way. So Jesus is making this distinction. Literally in the, in the Greek, it Sarx gives birth to Sarx, Numa gives birth to Numa. You should not be surprised, he told Nicodemus, that I say you must be born again. Because the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so you see this sort of trait of the Spirit. You see the evidence of the wind, but you can't really see the wind. Same with the spirit. It's not soma, it's not psyche, it's pneuma. You can't see pneuma, but you can see the effect of the pneuma, right? 
You can tell when someone's filled with the Spirit. You can just tell. There's just something, your spirit bears witness to their spirit. That's another pneuma pneuma, right, in the Bible. I continue on. Um, Nicodemus said, well, how can this be? Jesus, and he's probably like face bombing here. You're one of Israel's teachers, and you don't understand these things? And so you got to be born of flesh. You know, we're born of flesh, sarks. Then we're told here in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we got to get rid of that thing. You were born into sin. Jesus said, but you got to be born again. Not born of sin, of sarks, of flesh, but born of spirit, pneuma. This, this is the transforming process here, the lifelong transform, transformation that takes place. Because I don't know about you all, but the moment that I chose to put my faith in Jesus when I was 13, lots of things changed for me. My parents were freaked out. I was a whole different person. They thought I was like, I don't know, demon-possessed or something. We had lots of fights and arguments about it, you know. This weird cult place called New Hope, you know, gotta get away from that thing. Whew, freaky. It's fine. Anyways. And now she loves the place, and, and God has changed her too. Don't you, love, don't you love how God works? He's just that good. So we need to be born again. Your soma, your psyche remains the same. Your soul and your body remain the same. But now... Something's got to give. Only one's going to be the boss of your life. Let's call it the Lord of your life to speak Bible-ese. Only one can be the Lord of your life. And it's either going to be Sarks, your old fleshy self, or it's going to be the Holy Spirit. Which are you going to follow? That's why Jesus was fully successful in all of his ministry. He didn't have to follow the Sarks. He followed the Spirit. The Spirit. All right, so bear with me. This is going to get really... Cool, but really long and really just bear with me here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 13. Because this is the key to unlocking your freedom. This is going to set you free if we just learn to live this out. So, first of all, Paul just makes this statement. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? We love to quote that, right? There's no condemnation for you. Condemnation is put on Jesus on the cross. He took it on. It's not on you anymore. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he, he goes on. Man, I wish the Bible would just stop and make it simple, right? But then it goes on. That means God did his part. He's faithful. God done, gone, and did it. He did all the work that was required for your salvation so that you would not walk in condemnation. Jesus unlocked the shackles. You're free. But here's the catch. You got to walk out of them and you got to leave them behind. Jesus crucified the flesh. He became a sin offering on our behalf. He became cursed so that we might be blessed. He died so that we might live, all those things. But we got to do our part. God faithfully did his part. He broke the power of Sarks, He broke it. Now we got to walk out of it. Jesus said he's faithful. He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he will always make a way out. But we got to take that way out. He does his part. We got to do our part. So here's our part. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, Sarks. If you need to shake condemnation out of your life, you might need to get to walking. What's, what's that old Sunday song? These boots are made for walking, right? That spirit's made for walking. That pneuma's made for walking. And that's what you got to do. You need to walk away from that. Stop the enemy under the feet, right? Isn't that what Jesus, Jesus said? Isn't that what, what God said in Genesis? 
that we're going to stomp and crush the head of the enemy? You do it by the pneuma. But you do it by crushing the sarks within the flesh. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, pneuma. Those who don't walk according to the sarks, but according to the pneuma. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit, pneuma, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law was powerless to do, because it's weakened by the flesh, sarks, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, sarks, to be a sin offering. So I lied earlier. It wasn't Hebrews 3, it was Romans 8, yeah. 8.3, Romans 8.3. God sent by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, sarks, to be a sin offering. He crucified that thing. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, sarks, in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who don't live according to the flesh, sarks, but according to the spirit, pneuma. Those who live according to the flesh, sarks, had their minds set on what the flesh, sarks, desires. By the way, what do we have set our minds. What is the word there? Psyche. Which is your mind set on? Is your mind following the sinful flesh sarks or the Holy Spirit pneuma? Because you can't go two different directions. There's no fence to teeter on. You're either hot or you're cold. You're not lukewarm. No lukewarm. You're not hot in one area, cold in another. Hot in another, cold in another. You're, you're lukewarm if that's the case. You can't have a piping hot cup of, you know, black coffee and then put some ice cubes in it and not expect it to get cold, right? There's no such thing. You're hot or you're cold. Yeah, so our psyche, our mind, our emotions, they're going to follow one or the other, and we got to choose. We have a choice because he broke the power of it, so we have a choice now. Before Christ, you're powerless. Don't expect people of the world to act like people of Christ. They can't. They only have sarks. They have no pneuma. They can't be pneuma people. They only have sarks. That's what they're going to follow. So did us before Christ. We were born. Anyways, that's another story for another time. Okay, so we stick in here and see this struggle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like a ping pong, um, you know, tournament here in Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the flesh, sarks, have their minds set on what the flesh, sarks, desires. But those who live according to the spirit, pneuma, have their minds, psyche, set on what the spirit, pneuma, desires. The mind, psyche, governed by the flesh, sarks, is death. But the mind governed by the spirit, pneuma, is life and peace. Do you want life and peace? You only get it by the pneuma. And what did he say here? By being governed by the pneuma. You know, a people can only be governed by their own will. The only reason the, the, the government at any level has any control over me is because I allow it. I submit to that authority. I submit to that governance. Paul's writing here and he's saying, your psyche, your soul, the essence of who you are, it's only going to submit to one governor. Is that governor Sark's flesh or Numa's spirit? Which is it? You got to choose. In verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh, Sark's, is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't do so. Can't expect people who only have Sark's flesh to submit to God. Got to get them saved first. Because when they get saved, what do they get? Pneuma, spirit. Then they can live their life in submission to God. And it's a process, and it's called sanctification, and whatever, crucifying the flesh. It's, it's like a zombie. You think that thing's dead, and then it just raises its ugly dead head again, you know? Crucify the flesh. Okay, so we go on. 
The mind, verse 7, governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Okay. Those who are in the realm of the flesh, sarks, they can't please God. You, however, in verse 9, are not in the realm of the flesh, sarks, but in the realm of the spirit, pneuma. If indeed the spirit, pneuma, of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit, pneuma, of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body, soma, is subject to death because of sin, our soma all of a sudden comes into play here, it's subject to death because of sin. We're born into sin, we're going to die. It's appointed to all men to die once, right? I don't know, who's Elijah, who's the first guy who didn't see death? He got taken back in Genesis. The first dude, what's his name? It's escaping me right now. Don't you love these Bible quizzes? Pop quizzes in the middle of messages. Enoch, Enoch. He was the one that walked faithfully with God and was taken. Thank you. Woo! Ding, 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 ding. I got to get my Bible quiz cards out here. That, that, that's fun. Anyways, okay, so our soma is subject to death because of sin. But he goes on, he says, but the spirit, pneuma, gives it life because of righteousness. And that's the righteousness of Christ, not our own righteousness. And then he goes on in verse 11, and if the spirit pneuma of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, soma, because his spirit pneuma lives in you. And maybe we got some people, Cheryl and Billy, who's praise be to God here with us this morning, they are living this struggle. Their spirit is strong, but their soma is weak. Their bodies just need to get into agreement with the spirit inside of them. The spirit wants to give life to the soma, the mortal body. In verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. We're obliged, but it's not to live by the flesh, sarks. If you live according to the flesh, sarks, you're going to die. But if you live by the spirit, pneuma, if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, soma, and you will live. So we're learning here, there's actually a direct relationship between the soma and the, the pneuma sarks, whichever you're following. And we all know it. We, let's just be real and honest with each other today, okay? What's going to make the soma live? If I live by the sarks and, man, does that steak all smell good, you know? I want me some fried food and... Yeah, you know, little Debbie, we, we make little Debbie big in our household, right? You know, whenever the kids say we're out of food, it's not because the fridge and the pantry's empty. It's because there's no snacks, you know? I mean, come on. That's, you know, we got nothing to eat. I'm hungry. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of veggies. We'll, we'll go on this kick every now and then, you know? It's like, okay, we're buying fruits, we're buying veggies, we put them in the fridge, and maybe the first day we eat them and then a week later we're tossing them in the trash because they're all wrinkled up and our grapes have become raisins you know anybody else is it just me yeah your soma your soma whenever you follow the sarks i want i want to taste that sweet and salty and mm, you know your soma suffers ask any doctor you know but if you live by you know the spirit and what the spirit says to do well you live a little better of a life, right? You just do. When I eat healthy and I drink a lot of water, I feel pretty good. My psyche is actually affected by it. My soma is affected by it. But when I eat a bunch of trash and live by the sarks, you know, 
Well, I'm feeling it. I, I've actually had, I call them food hangovers the next day, you know. <laughs> Wake up like, oh, man, what did I eat? What did I do to myself? The soma and the psyche suffer, right? Who decides who you are? This is probably for next week. This is an issue of identity. Your psyche, who you are, your soul, your soul, who you are. Is it identified by the sarks or is it identified by the pneuma? Your flesh or your, the spirit of God? Which are you going to allow identify you as? You know, this is huge. This, I don't know. I, I, went through, I, I went through two different colleges and I never learned this stuff. And that's why I still got to make sure this is true. That Jesus was not born of the sarks. No sarks in him. No flesh, no sin at all. I firmly believe it's true right now. I can't find any evidence otherwise. But it's so cool to think about. That's why we're called to crucify that flesh. Be like Jesus, right? Isn't that essentially what we're talking about? There is a war, a war within ourselves. Is the psyche going to follow the sarks or the pneuma? Your soma, it's your body, it chills. Your body's not all that important, to be honest. It's going to turn to dust again, you know? When God formed you out of the mud and breathed the breath of life, Right? The breath of life, you guys, can you figure out what word that might have been? I mean, it was Hebrew, not Greek back then, but yeah. He, he gave you a soul and a spirit. Then they chose, um, anyways, it's, yeah, it was a bad choice. We're, we're all built, born with sarks, you know, from then on. Think about that. From the moment we were born, unlike Jesus, we lived by the sarks because that's all we had. We didn't have the pneuma. We didn't have the spirit. We only had our flesh. We only had our flesh. Life was all about me, myself, and I getting what I want, how we want it, when we want it. We live for pleasure. We live for comfort. We live for indulgence, right? But whenever we were born again, we were born with the pneuma. And now we've got to choose. We've been adopted in a new family. We've got a new name. We've got a new identity. There's a new way to do things. We've got to choose. Are we going to do things by the, the um, pneuma or by the sarks? This is the battle, the war that's raging. And it's raging for your soul. There is a war raging for your soul, your psyche. It's why this culture is such a mess, why there's so many mental health issues, because there's a war raging. And I'm telling you, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to win, right? There's only one way to win it. We're going to read about it here in a second as I'm starting to close up here. We have been born again. We are a new creation. We have adopted that new family. So which are we going to follow with our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, our conscience? Which one is going to... Paul said, you know, he, he said my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me free of guilt. Guess what he was talking about with his, his um, conscience? His psyche is clear. I think I'm doing what's right. That doesn't make me not guilty. Why? Because my psyche might think that, yeah, this is the right thing to do. But it's agreeing with the sarks, not agreeing with the pneuma, the spirit. Paul admitted that. In fact, he put, talk about the struggle. He was like, I'm such a mess. What I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I keep on doing. And he goes on and on and on. He's like, I'm a wreck. And then he ends that whole statement with the one that sets him free. None other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can set us free from that struggle. So that we live by the pneuma and find life and joy and peace. We find all those fruits of the spirit. 
But which are we going to choose to follow with our psyche, our mind, will, emotions, conscience, personalities? Which is going to identify, um, which is going to define our identity? Which one? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17, Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And you guys, can you figure out what those two Greek words are? Pneuma, sarks. Walk in the, sar- the pneuma, the spirit, you won't satisfy the lust of the flesh, sarks. Because the flesh lusts against the spirit. But guess what else happens? The spirit lusts against the flesh. Talk about a war. A war is happening inside of you. And it's just like the battle of Gethsemane. It's not a war with somebody else. It's not your employer's fault, your school's fault, your neighbor's fault, your wife's fault, your kid's fault. That battle started right there inside of you. They just brought it out of you, didn't they? Loved ones are good for that, aren't they? They just bring the best out in you sometimes, huh? (laughs) That rage, that anger, guess what? It ain't their fault. You let it out, right? So where did it come from? It it wasn't like your wife, like, shoved those angry words inside your mouth and then it's like, okay, ready? Ah, you know? No, those words came out of you, right? The battle within, the war for your soul. Guess what that means? You got some sarks that you need to crucify, right? That's all that means, and we all do. We all got some of that old self hanging on that we need to put to death. But there's only one way to put it to death, and it's by life in the spirit, pneuma. You see, there's so many self-help books. There's so many psychological resources. There's so much counseling out there. There's so many step programs that, that try to teach you how to control your psyche, But the Bible teaches us something different. You can't control the psyche. The psyche's boss. Or I'm sorry, you can't control the sarks. The sarks is boss. It's the Lord of your life up until the point that you meet Jesus. And it doesn't want to step off that throne of your life. King Sarks wants to stay King Sarks. But King Jesus wants to be King Jesus. He wants to be Lord of your life. So you got to choose which is going to be on that throne. It's kind of like, uh, Carol's not here this morning, but uh, when I first started coming to the church, we had um, this, this awesome, which Tammy led it, you know, this awesome uh, Christmas program with, for the ladies' ministry, and, uh, and, and I came, and I was a part of it, we were doing musical chairs, and it came down to Carol and I, and uh, she sat down on one of these chairs, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm a really competitive person. I shoved her right off that chair and sat my butt down. I'm like, Yeah! That was Sarks. <laughs> that poor woman was sore for a few weeks when she hit the cement floor. And I felt so bad. Then Enuma's like, uh, Steve, <laughs> that, that wasn't good what you just did right there, <laughs> right? That's the picture of what is happening inside of your body. The Sarks wants that chair. The Numa wants that chair. Guess who gets to decide? Your psyche. Your mind, your will. You decide who's going to be on that chair. Whew. Wow. So there's a path to victory, isn't there? It's not by might. It's not by strength. It's not by... Counseling's good. It gives you the tools you need, but it needs to give you the tools you need to put that pneuma in that throne of your life, right? Because Sarks, you can deal with Sarks all you want. How does the Bible teach us to deal with Sarks? crucify it kill it 
Don't argue with it. Don't reason with it. Don't try to sway it over to see the Numa's perspective. There's only one way to deal with your flesh, your sarks, and it's to kill the thing. Whew. Wow. So that the Numa, the spirit, can bring life and healing and abundance and joy and peace to all those things that the sarks used to be stealing from you. How cool is that? Just as Jesus said right in the middle of his own battle within, he said, watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. Then Numa is willing, but the flesh, Sarks, is weak. Greater is he who is within you than the one that is in the world, right? Greater is Numa than Sarks. But Sarks ain't going to let you believe that, is it? No, not at all. Sarks is a liar. It wants you to believe that there's no way you can defeat this thing in your life. I just can't find freedom. I'm just stuck. Glug, 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 glug. Right, you know? That's just me. That's who I am. I just can't. You know, that's the Sarks lying to you. The Numa says, where I am, there's freedom. Where I am, there's strength. Where I am, there's healing. Where I am, there's deliverance. Right? So which voice is our psyche going to listen to? Sarks or Numa? Which one's going to win the battle in our lives here, huh? Yeah, let's let the Spirit start winning. Amen? Amen? Whew. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Amen. Worship team, come on forward. Worship team, come on forward. I'm calling an audible. I'm the QB. I get to do that, right? I think. Maybe. I lost my tail. I don't need a tail. Whatever. All right. So if y'all could just mm, find a place to get with you and the Lord. Forget about everybody who's around you. Forget about everything else that's going on. Forget about all of those struggles and just take a few minutes, just a few minutes right here and be like Jesus. Jesus struggled. He struggled with the will of his father. You're not alone, but Jesus had the victory. So we're going to ask the spirit of God. The Numa. We're going to welcome him into our lives. We're going to give him all that we are. Amen. The altars are open. You can meet with the Lord wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. Yes, not by might, not by your own power, but by the Spirit of the living God, by the pneuma within you, you will rise up and defeat this flesh, this sarks. Your psyche will be whole and complete at peace. Finally, finally, your mind, your soul will find the rest that you have been longing for. As the Holy Spirit of the living God rises up within your life, takes the throne of your heart, and kicks that sarks to the curb. Yeah, there's victory in Jesus. Woo, yes. Amen.